Getting ready. It is almost time for regular season football. The wait is over. We're excited. It's Hogs Night of Forecast. We are rearing and ready to go. Week one, right ahead. Honestly, this might go out after week one, but we still got plenty to talk about. We got uh, B. Droomba in the house. Wee boys. I am excited to talk. Uh, I don't know if I'll say the same a week from now, but uh, for now, the skins are tied for first in the division. Let's do it, baby. I like the sound of that. We got Ned Button, Neil. How's it going, everybody? Let's uh, let's kick off Sunday with a, uh, a nice start. Let's go, boys. And we got Dr. Chris Jones. There is something in the air. I am excited for football. You're right. I mean, you said it perfectly, I think. They're in first place. It may be the last time they're in first place. They have a very tough matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles in week one. On the road, eight and a half point underdogs going into the week. One of the biggest spreads of any matchup in this week. Can I just ask why is that? Why is the spread so big? I, what else did the Eagles do to make them? Well, I think the Eagles are projected to go like one of the Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, I mean, they're what, win. I mean, they're right now their favorite to win the division. What did they do this offseason that really like? Well, they get Carson they, Wentz back. They cut Nick Foles. Yeah, <laughs> Foles. Come on. Yeah, everybody. He did, he did well for him. I don't know. Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy. And it's it's another year What's under it? his belt. They you know, the just having him have an entire season, yeah. or off season, to be able to train and get healthy, it's going to be. They're honestly not the biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan. No shock there, but I think they are going to be kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Honestly, you talk about a franchise that like has everything going for them. Some of this you can hear in my voice. It's a little bit of jealousy, but. Uh, we're not here to talk about the Philadelphia. They're on the up and up. They're on the up and up. Redskins, TBD. Um, down and down. Well, no. Uh, trying out. What nice a, down. We, we're starting positive. They're in first place. They're in first place. Any impressions? Anything notable for you guys? The starting 53, they made the last round of cuts. I think, you know, it was my, my initial reaction was that there wasn't a ton of surprises. I think a lot of the higher round draft picks were the ones who ended up making it. The guys who made a big splash in preseason were the ones who also made it, and then they, you know, made the practice squad guys. I mean, was there any anything that really jumped out? Uh, well, I got one that I, I think I just remembered, which was kind of surprising. Uh, Samaje Piran. I thought that that was actually a very surprising cut because I, I felt that Gruden was really working him in the preseason. But I guess it was really just the last kind of showcase for him to see if he, he's got what it takes to be. And what I think could be a very talented uh, rotation of backs for the Skins with uh, Peterson, Geis, and Thompson. But I thought that P. Ryan was still getting some good looks and, and maybe going to be fitting in back there. So I, I thought that was actually very surprising. Well, and then they also go and pick up Wendell Smallwood, former Eagle. Yeah. They went with their three guys, picked up another one, and like they're going four deep. That's it. And there was also word that Gruden wanted to cut Peterson as well. Um, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, so I guess the theory behind that is uh, Peterson does not like to split carries. He wants to be the feature, featured back, and Gruden was anticipating Peterson being in his ear all year 
like get me more carries, get me more carries, when I think Gruden wants to kind of move towards Geis as the featured back. That, that'll be very interesting because I do remember when uh, Kamara was up and coming on the scene in uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Peterson was the lead back at the time, but Kamara was clearly stealing it from him. And there was at least one game where Peterson was just the star of the sideline. The camera was on the whole game, just yelling at the coach, or just like clearly furious with the way the game was rolling. But if, you, if there's a more talented kid out there who's clearly producing more than you, you got to give him the ball. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, and I, I hope Geist better steal it from him because I mean Geist is much younger. There's much more road ahead for that kid. So I hope that's the case. I hope Peterson can deal with it. He could be. He'll a get his carries. I, Adrian I Peterson so. is going to get his carries. I think yeah, it'll start. It'll start probably like 75, 25, and then I think we'll start seeing a little transition. I think the biggest question mark heading into camp and going into the final 53 cuts was at wide receiver. There were a lot of unknowns, somewhat a function of not a lot of guys coming back that you felt super confident, or even there were bodies that were there in the past. Um, And there were some guys, I mean, it looks like the starting three receivers are going to be Terry McLaurin and... Paul Richardson on the outside, and then Trey Quinn in the slot. And then three guys who earned those spots. They went six receivers. Three guys who earned those spots in Robert Davis, Kelvin Harmon, and Steven Sims Jr. They were standouts in the preseason. They clearly, they went out there and earned it. Being a guy, you're out there really only, I don't know, 40 of, 40 of those spots, if you're in a 90-man camp, are pretty much locked up 47-foot in camp. And the last... 10 to 15 spots, you have to go out there and earn. There were some openings at receiver and a number of guys who really impressed, but those three, I mean, they seem like they were the standouts. Yeah. And they earned it. Those, those make for the, the best stories, too. I mean, this guy worked their tail off to, to put food on the table, so more power to them. I, I hope they get some good touches. They show up uh, in games and you never know. Maybe we could, we could have a rising star in our hands here. Well, and Chris, you noticed something really interesting about this receiving core. I mean, the the narrative around them, there was a really nice article in Hogshaven this week from Gabe Ward. Sort of saying, you know, this is a young group, kind of inexperienced, but you said that there is a shocking amount of inexperience in this in the squad. Yeah, so I, I took it upon myself to kind of dive deeper into just how inexperienced this wide receiver group is. From what I was able to gather, I mean, they are last in the NFL with 58 total games of experience between them. Uh, The next closest team I saw was Minnesota, and uh, they have two relative studs on that line, and that's, I, I believe the roster didn't include Josh Doxon at the time, so that would even give them more games to change that gap. So as like a point of comparison, who has the most combined games for receivers in the league? Uh, the most combined games is New England. Okay, that's not shocking. With 544. So they have over that's 500 a, and the Redskins have what? You said, uh, 58. 58. 58. That, the, that's remarkable. That's unbelievable. Yeah, the league average was 243 games. So Robert Davis is a second year guy. Trey Quinn's a second-year guy. Paul Richardson is in his sixth season, and you have three rookies. Yeah, uh, the bulk the bulk of the games come from 
uh, Paul Richardson with like 99% of the games with 54. I would still consider well, that's, Trey that's, Quinn. That's a lot of games. Is, rookie, is Quinn yeah. not a rookie at this point? I mean, he started last. I mean, he, How many he games start. did he play, though? I mean, he, he, was, he got hurt. Games. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he, I feel like, what, doesn't that still qualify him as a rookie? I don't think technically, but for all intents and purposes, yeah. he's got the inexperience yeah. of a rookie. I think what, you know, it's, there's always sort of this slant towards uh, analytics and sabermetrics, but, you know, numbers are a number devoid of the context if you don't put some context around it. And I just think, you know, the Redskins have two, presumably two quarterbacks who are going to play at some point this year. None of, neither of them have any experience with these guys. And what you hear a lot is it takes a while for a receiver to start to gel with his quarterback and vice versa. Like it's going to, it's going to take some time. That in and of itself to have to then do it with guys who have not operated at the NFL level or like at the NFL speed going up against NFL defensive backs. It's going to be really challenging in week one, I think in week one, first half of the season for Case Keenum to really get any kind of a rhythm with inexperienced guys that he also doesn't have experience with. It's it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, you start to think about all the Redskins' skilled positions and really the inexperience that's at all of them. I mean, you have Case Keenum, first year in this offense. Oh. You have Darius Geis, who got injured in the preseason, so first year mm-hmm. playing there. You have essentially two rookie wide receivers with Quinn and McLaurin. Mm-hmm. I think the Redskins are really going to struggle with all these new pieces and trying to put something together with the uh, chemistry. The thing I think we're going to probably see a lot out of this year on this offensive side is passes to the tight end. Especially if Vernon Davis... Vernon Davis is a 14-year veteran. So Vernon Davis has more than twice the combined number of years in the NFL than the entire receiving core. That's remarkable. He is going to have to be a safety valve, and you hope that Jordan Reed can come back healthy. That's going to be a really important thing to get a measure of rhythm and comfortability on offense this year. Vernon's been clutch for us on a few like third down. He's got this little shimmy that people just can't can't get him, and I love that he can just burn yards. So I'm yeah, I love how his endurance and uh, yeah, I'm I'm rooting for him every year he plays. If there's any silver lining, yes. uh, give it, it to us. Please. It would it would be that nobody has any tape because we don't either. Uh, there's there's nothing to go off here. I think it's gonna be. Kind of tough to watch the first few games, but you never know. Maybe, maybe maybe there'll be just a quick match. And I didn't really see too much in the preseason. I kind of wish we saw McLaurin in the... Uh, yeah, he didn't play. Yeah, I kind of wanted to see more of him. He's, he's our, one of our top weapons. He's probably slotted wide receiver one behind Richardson or maybe the other well, way Yeah, they're probably going to play on opposite sides and then you're going to have Quinn in the slot. Like, if you go three receiver set, those are your three guys to start yeah. the year. It's totally open right now, but uh, it could be great. It could be awful. We'll see you on Sunday. All right. So do you want to take a quick break? We'll come back and discuss a little bit more. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take that break. So we're talking a little bit about the Redskins and their inexperience at receiver. I think the most notable move, maybe the most notable cut that the Skins had trimming down to the final 53 was they finally cut bait with Josh Doxson. And last time around on our Hell Yeah, Hell Nah, we discussed whether or not he would catch a pass for the Redskins this year, I think we had consensus 
Hail Na, if I remember correctly. I think that's right. So we'll be taking your calls uh, if you'd like lottery numbers because we are feeling pretty hot, ready to go to Charlestown, races and slots, maybe roll the dice a little bit. Provide some good luck. What, what do you guys think about that? We talked about it last week, but you agree with the move? I mean, we weren't surprised by it. By it. Did, do we feel like it was the right thing to do? I think so. The most we saw out of him was, how many touchdowns? Six, maybe? I hope the kid does well. I'm going to be annoyed if he just lights it up in Minnesota, but it clearly wasn't working here, so I think that uh, the time is right, and we're kind of rebuilding something new here with, with Haskins hopefully taking over the reins. That could have been something special, you never know, but it was time to move on. we got to let other guys get a chance here. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does well, but he had time, and I just want him to stay healthy for himself. Uh, it's got to be frustrating for him coming in and not being able to play, but it was that time. I think, you know, his rookie year, he was limited, but he ended up suiting up for 15 or 16 games the other years that he was here. They just He just never really seemed to be able to earn his his reps. He, yeah, he, I remember he just struggled catching passes to start. I remember that because he would, he would be in the games early on, but then he always seemed to drop them. Seemed like to hit him in the hands and he'd just drop them. And then towards the end, he'd catch them on these crazy catches, but then he'd get hurt right after that. So it was a little, he just, we never got it right with him, I felt. Definitely feast or famine with him. He, there was never any consistency. And it's not as though he had someone consistently throwing the football to him because there was a lot of turnover at quarterback in his tenure. But honestly, like, I'm just glad we don't have to think about it anymore. Like, I think I think something that will at least follow him along in, in Redskins fans' eyes, I, I kind of viewed him as being a little soft. I'm not sure if that's completely fair, but uh, I remember uh, him being out for a significant part of the season for like what what I viewed as on a relatively minimal stuff. I thought I thought he could have maybe tried to get through it or could have recovered quicker and it just kept him on the sideline and it it didn't seem like he it didn't seem like he was eager to to join the team back and prove himself. Yeah, for a guy his size, you know, he was drafted as like the the big guy he could, you know, go jump ball to 62 200 pounds like that's a that's a beefy that's a big target you expect to be able to make his own space and i think you're right like he never was that guy um and you know he goes and is reunited with per cousins who didn't like throwing him the football in the first place but uh <laughs> i guess now he's got an opportunity to go do it in minnesota so so who do the skins go to on the fade pass now Route. I mean, McLaurin's a big, a big tight kid. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, JR. you go to the tight end, or yeah, you stretch the field. I think they're gonna have a lot of questions, just like figuring out what routes will work. Can you bring Tressway in? Tressway can do anything, as far as I'm concerned. If he wants to go out and play receiver, fine. If he wants to be a linebacker, we need a team of 53 Tressways. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although that said, I mean. Redskins the last two years have had some like kind of nice drafts. So if you're using it as a point of comparison, again, still a little bit too early. But good drafts with great position in the draft. 
mind you. That's true. Yeah, they have. <laughs> That's that. true, yeah. All right, well, I guess with that in mind, we can take a quick break and then come right back and close things out. Sounds good. Okay. So the other thing this week that really stood out for the Redskins, you guys have read it, but I'll, we'll link to this in the article, was Adam Kilgore wrote a piece about Dan Snyder where it's the, be, the, the way he phrased it is like imminently depressing, that it's the beginning of the third decade of Dan Snyder's tenure as owner of the Redskins. So he has now owned the team for 20 years and we're getting closer to 30. And it sort of talked a little bit about his background. He'd grown up as a Skins fan and really wanting to be a successful owner, but just how the team has not found that success in his time. And there was a number of folks that they interviewed who were in the know. Some went on the record, some of whom opted to get quoted anonymously. The anonymous folks were not so kind, and um, there were a few people who opted to say some nice things because they were putting their name to it. But did you guys, you guys had a chance to read that over. Did anything stand out for you from that article? I mean, it's, it's nice to see. I didn't know he was a hometown kid. I didn't know this was his like, childhood team. I think that's, that's very cool. And it, it, it makes sense why he cares so much, but it kind of is unfortunate to see the way he acts with a franchise that's so valuable, so many people expecting greatness out of this team that he took over at a time when they were champions. And it's just kind of a shame to see the way it's fallen. And you think about what the team has fallen to, and now it's just to the point where the fans are becoming apathetic. And you don't see that so much in most franchises, at least DC, I'd say it's about 50-50 in terms of GMs or owners that the fan base really likes. But it's easier to show up for a team you root for, but an owner that cares about the fans as much as uh, the fans care about the team. I think the, one of the things that no one will ever deny is he clearly he clearly cares. I think he wants to win, but doesn't know how to get out of his own way. And I think that was what was repeated by a couple of the people who were quoted in the article. Um, we talked about Scott McGlue, and I'm certain that one of the people who was anonymously sourced in that piece had to have been him, um, <laughs> one of the people who didn't have such nice things to say. But, you know, he came into owning this team at such a young age, you know, he made a bunch of money in his and then in his early 30s, buys one of the most valuable franchises in all of sports, and it's a team that he loved. And every once in a while, I take a step back and like, wow, we're probably gonna have another 30 years of Dan Snyder as the owner of the Redskins. Hell no! <laughs> oh hell! <laughs> like assuming nothing happens, which who's to say? But like, probably gonna be 30. Yeah, he's such a big fan that you don't really anticipate anything happening for him to relinquish control. Also, I mean, the, the Redskins franchise itself has been quoted at $5 billion recently. And so for another person to try to purchase uh, such a franchise at such a high number, I mean, 
it's going to take an extraordinary effort. Yeah, he bought the he bought the team for what did it say like eight hundred million. Eight hundred million. So he's already returned on his investment over like you know what six times. It is a valuable thing to own, and one of the, one of the things that they talk about in that piece is you know attendance has clearly been down. I think enthusiasm has been down, but based on the way that revenue sharing works and television deals work in the league, you don't have to have a full stadium in order to be have a franchise be extremely profitable. All of these teams will make their money because of the TV deals. And so the question then becomes the finances, you know, maybe ticket sales account for, you know, I'm going to ballpark, 10, 15, 20% of the value of a franchise if you're getting all your money through other means. So it's a question of like, what are your, what is your incentive? And I, again, like I said, I think he wants to win. I mean, you should. That's like that you get more primetime games. Right. That's going to give you more money, more fans coming in. I think he wants to win. It's just, yeah, as you said before, he doesn't know the right way to get there. He's struggling to, yeah, the article points out multiple people just from personally knowing him, just they, one guy saying, not a chance they're going to do anything when he's in charge. Because it's just, I don't know, he, he, he tries to emulate other people and he they say he acts like a little kid because that's how he found the team and there, there needs to be some big changes. He's got to either take like a mentor or something. To, just well, the guy he's, he's looked up to has been Jerry Jones. Oh, that's Jerry. Yeah, he, he wants to be Double J. Um, and you know they talk about how like he came in the league and he'd just be like yeah like like what Jerry said like I like he's right listen to what I Jerry second said. that yeah. um, America's team but the I think the 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 single thing that jumped out the most at me in this piece was where someone was quoted as saying like he acts the way a little kid thinks a rich person acts yeah and like that is a galling indictment. Of his overall ability, the way like he is perceived and comports himself. The other, the other one, the the other thing that jumped out for me was one of the people who went on the record was Stephen Jones, who I guess is what Jerry Jones' son. He's affiliated with uh, with, the, with the Cowboys, and yeah. he's like, "Oh yeah, Dan Snyder doing a great job. Like keep on doing." Like he was like, "Yeah, I have nothing but good things to say." He's an innovator, which I just thought was kind of funny because like. If you're a competitor, like of course you're gonna say good things because like they keep finishing behind us in the standings. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep, there. keep it, keep There's it, on. great things up in DC. Yeah, here's <laughs> the sun. Yeah, Chris, did you have anything from from this piece that sort of stood out, like overall impressions of what they had to say? I mean, I think you hit on a lot of the points that I saw myself. To me, what I got out of it, it's it seems like he's a fan controlling a team. Sure, and. It's either his attitude or... Kind of like an ego. Yeah, yeah. It, it's his ego that really, I think, prevents him from releasing control and maybe preventing the Redskins from becoming a successful organization. Yeah. I've got a question. Um, so I know the Skins for the last, what, about 15, 10 years or so, just been mediocre and just sure. 50-50. Have they ever officially gone for just a rebuild? Not really, and that is like a pretty significant issue. Yeah. This is a team that will not look in the mirror and tear it all down. So I think, okay, you could argue there's two things. It's a good thing. You don't want to say we're mailing it in this year. We're going to look to the future. We still think we can win. 
But at the same time, when does it end? It's been just an increase. Like, we haven't won a playoff game since 2006. At what point do you say, because now that we have Haskins coming, I see hopefully a good future for this team. But we still don't, we still don't have enough around this kid to build on. And this, this could be a season that... You know, I think in the NFL, because there are so few games in a season, and there are always so many teams that, like, there's always, like, one team that goes from worst to first. That, like, a total rebuild. Los Angeles Rams. That's what I'm thinking. But I think it's just hard, it's hard to do, because you, there's, I mean, I guess you can sort of jettison big contracts, and the Redskins have really not gone for big contracts as much as they used to. I mean, we're not, we don't have Deion Sanders, we don't have, you know, guys like that. The thing is, you're never, and maybe this is, maybe I'm, victim I'm falling victim to the ideology but like it feels like you're never all that far away from being decent I just feel like the skins have a relatively young team right now they have a talented defensive core we don't really know anything about the offense quarterback hopefully could be good receiving core who knows a few years could be great running game as well but at what point especially just with the talent of the division and the state the team's been in it's just Take a hit and just get ahead of the game and maybe... Well, so what would that look like to you? Because there's no minor league, so you can't, like, develop players in a like in an AHL or, like, a AAA baseball. They're young, so yeah. we know... I mean, we talked about how young the receiving core is. They're young there. They have a quarterback that they're trying to cultivate, except, except for the Miami Dolphins, who are clearly tanking right now. I mean, I almost want to say they should have tanked. In, but, like, in what, would that, what would that look like? If the Redskins were trying to like tear it all down and rebuild, how would that look different from what they're doing right now? They would actually they're finish trying. worse than yeah. like seven, 500. or not 15th, like 19th or 20th in the league. Stop winning seven games. I mean, you shouldn't reward that type of uh, performance for a season, but at a certain point, I mean, it's been so many years of just like agonizing performances over 16 weeks or 20 weeks however long the season is it's just like I wish we could actually see results in the off season that would help us deal with how bad the last year was <laughs> I don't know yeah good, good luck trying to tell Jonathan Allen hey you know what just like dial it back a little bit yeah I mean the thing is you're never one draft Buy it. you know like I'm like you can always be kind of close but, you know, getting a number one pick unless it's a quarterback is really the only thing separating, like, a bad team from being a good team. Yeah. You need, and they say that, you know, people quote it, I think it was Stephen Jones in this piece, was like, if you had a good head coach and you have a good quarterback, you're going to be a good team. And so I, I think that could be the case, hopefully, with Haskins. We don't know. We don't know what this kid's capable of. But I think we might have hopefully stumbled onto a great, I don't know why he fell to us, but... Hopefully we can uh, we can make that be a good thing for DC. The last couple of years, I mean, the Redskins have yet to really put together a full team. When Cousins was here, we could move the ball pretty well, but our defense was atrocious. Now it seems like he kind of built up a better defense, but on the offensive side of the ball, we we mismanaged. Uh, some of those assets, and now we're really struggling with those pieces. So uh, I don't think we put together a whole team yet. To Dan Snyder's credit, 
it is very hard to win a Super Bowl. It, I think. And I'm, I'm also sure it's, it's hard to win as many games. It's very hard to win a as playoff game. Sure. Yeah. yeah well, or, there is that. I just want to go five, like over five hundred. That's what I want. That would be that would be a pretty. <laughs> That'd be at least maybe a playoff bid. So, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting read. We'll be sure to include it. All right. Should, I think we should uh, call it a night. We got a lot of football. We got to get a, a good night's sleep. We got the NFL coming up right ahead of us. Uh, very excited. I think we'll leave it at that. So uh, we got Dr. Chris Jones. Thanks so much. Thank you. We got Nebba Neal. Thank you. It's been fun, guys. And Beach Roomba asking the the big questions this week. That's right. This was Brian from Hogshaven, <laughs> and this was Hogs Night, a podcast.